Hello, church family. Uh, this is part three of our little mini-series through the book of Philemon. As we, uh, I wanted to you know, cover the topic of forgiveness, and I think this is a, a, a very appropriate book, especially from our, from our, in our day and age when I think uh, the world definitely doesn't understand what forgiveness is, but the church should not uh, be like that. The church has the scriptures and it informs us on how we need to forgive one another in the way that we, uh, especially if those that are offended, we know how to let things go because of what Christ has done on our behalf, that he, um, through the death of his son, pardoned us of the sins that we've committed against him. Yesterday we talked about how uh, there's a model of, of a Christian, of a forgiving Christian, and it looks like a person who is filled with love. When a person is filled with love, they will act in obedience to the Lord. And one of the greatest blessings of forgiving other people is that you bless other people. Um, people feel encouraged by it. People are um, relieved when their when their relationship is no longer tense, but are now um, reconciled. Forgiveness is a key aspect of the Christian life that we often don't think about because. Um, we think too lightly of it, and I think part of the reason why that is is because we think too lightly of what God has done on our behalf. So today, we're going to look at the uh, the manners of a forgiving Christian, the manners of a forgiving Christians, uh, verse 8 to 18. You'll see here, Therefore, though I have enough confidence, Christ, to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus of Christ Jesus. Paul here is confident in that when he's uh, teaching or through his writing um, that Philemon will listen. Um, you realize that this word proper is used, the right thing to do. Uh, he knows that what he, uh, Paul, has confidence in Philemon that he will do what is right. Paul knows that uh, because of his love and of Philemon's love and character, that's demonstrated in the past, uh, he will do what is proper and what is right. And that's what you and I must be too. The right thing for Christians to do um, is to actually forgive. And, um, and what's proper for the Christian, it should be what's natural. Um, if you are not a forgiving person, it simply means that you don't, um, uh, that you don't show forgiveness to others. Uh, and, and, and you really, it just means that you yourself don't fully grasp the, um, the magnitude of God's forgiveness towards you. Conflict is always going to be there, but we as Christians, what is proper for us is that we have the ability to forgive. Um, our love towards one another should um, exceed those uh, minor sins. Again, I'm not saying that the conflict in the past and the problem and the things that where you're sinned against is, um, should be dismissed. I'm just saying that the way that you respond to it, it should be better than the way that the world responds. It's better than even your own fleshy desires because we have a new nature. We're called to forgive because Christ forgave us first. Verse 10, I, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I've begotten in my imprisonment. Now he begins to explain why this letter is there. If you could imagine Onesimus returning back to Philemon with this letter and he's reading it, and I think he's re just reading it alone, he probably understand what's going to happen. But he's, it's finally apparent here in verse 10. Um, I said yesterday that the name Onesimus it means useful. Um, so he's saying, I appeal to you for my child. This is uh, significant because Paul you just speaks of those that he's led to Christ as his children. We see that with Titus and Timothy. He calls him as my child of the faith. And now Onesimus is one of those. And um, he 
it seems to indicate in this verse that he met him when he was in prison. Um, somewhere along the lines, somehow their paths cross, and now the, through the faithful teaching and preaching of, of Paul, Onesimus is one of uh, is one of his children, spiritual spiritual children. <coughs> Verse 11, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful to both you and to me. Now, this is a word play here. Uh, formerly was useful, uh, his name is useful. Now it's like saying he used to be useless. Now he's both useful. So he's finally, because of uh, what Christ has done in this, in this slave's uh, life, he has a radical transformation. Remember how yesterday I talked about how Colossians speaks about the slave needing to work for his master, not because for the sake of just people pleasing, but because they need to, we need to all do things uh, for one master, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And this slave Onesimus now was formerly useful, uh, was use formerly useless to Philemon, but now he is useful. There's an implication here that maybe Onesimus was a lazy type type of slave, but now after being converted, he was both useful to Paul and now to Philemon. And what a blessing it is when we see the powerful work of regeneration and life of, of anyone, that the, their life is just different, um, is radically different. And again, this is supposed to speak of even our own life. If we call ourselves Christians, one of the things that should be radically different about us is how we handle conflict. And forgiveness has to be in the forefront of our mind. Because if that is not the case, there's something wrong within our own hearts. Are we truly transformed? Are we truly, do we truly have a new birth? Forgiveness is, goes beyond this, the superficial, oh, I forgive you, but it really is looking, be, is looking past those things and treating the person before as if they haven't even sinned against you. You have a restored relationship. And that's what Paul holds for Philemon and, and Onesimus, the relationship of uh, Philemon and Onesimus, that they would be reconciled. Um, verse 12, I have sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart. Um, Paul has such an affection and love for this person that he said that he's like sending him a big, sending him like a part of him to uh, to Philemon. Uh, he uh, thirteen said, "Whom I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but your own free will." So uh, again, I said I mentioned uh, it, back then, uh, when a slave uh, runs away, uh, it, it is uh, like under Roman law, the slave, if it's found, has to be returned to uh, the master. And that's and Paul here is doing that. He wants to honor um, the government and the society societal code. Um, he said without your consent. So if let's say Philemon was. Uh, Let's say if when Onesimus goes back, if Philemon said, "Oh yeah, you go back to Paul, I'll let you go," then that's that's with his consent. But Paul didn't want to go before uh, Philemon, so he, he sends him back first and tells him, um, "You know, I want you to you and Onesimus to be reconciled. Whatever you want to do, that is your call." Uh, and that's why it's a free will. This isn't about like you know predestination, free will type of thing. It's just that out of his own uh, desires, the right desires, that he'll do what's 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 honoring, what is proper. Uh, Verse 15, uh, for perhaps he was for this reason separate from you for a while that you would have him back forever. And what a joy this is. This is God's sovereign plan and providence. And you have to understand, this must be really, like, very strange because, I mean, it's strange to us because, like, look at how big Rome is. Just think about it. And even back then, how big Rome is and how, how and, you know, Paul was in prison, and yet somehow Onesimus is able to get uh, in touch with Paul. Just probably some random encounter and 
and then Paul witnesses to him and then he tells him to go back like I oh I know your master like that's just so random that like what a small world right um, that's what Paul tried to get at like you need to go back to Philemon I know who Philemon is I know who your master is take this letter and go back to him and he's saying like uh, Paul saying for, for perhaps for this reason he saw God's hand in all of this uh, so that he would return and bring him back not even just as like uh, a slave now but now a brother like that's what it says here Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord. So Philemon gets something, <coughs> excuse me, Philemon gets like a double blessing. He gets his slave back, and he also has a brother in the Lord. Um, and it's a beloved brother. This is someone that is that, that they need to care for. Um, at this at this point, there's no more used to be friends or uh, uh, you know I could forgive and not forget or anything like that. This is now you see him as someone new. This is someone radically different, and you have a, new, a renewed relationship because uh, Onesimus has a renewed life, and that's how we should be towards one another. You, you understand that for us as Christians, if we truly love, if all the people that are around us in the church truly love Christ, we're going to spend eternity with them. So in other words, you might as well just get along now because you're gonna have you're never gonna be separated from them because we're all one family, we're all part of the church family, and we're all part one. Um, we're all the bride of Christ, so we're gonna be with each other. So you might as well get used to being in each other's presence. Um, hey, look, uh, there's a book that I read uh, by Ken Sandy called The Peacemaker, and uh, I had to read it in seminary uh, during a. For a class on conflict resolution, and they have these practical principles and like, how do you um, forgive? What does that look like practically? Uh, and it gives these three type of um, principles. Like one is that you don't hold it against the other person when when they let's say they ask for forgiveness, you don't hold it against them. That means that um, you don't try to make it make them feel bad or give them a cold shoulder every time you see them. Rather. Um, there's sin that is against you, you learn to just let it go. True forgiveness doesn't bear any grudges. Uh, second is don't dwell it. So whereas the first ones you don't hold against them publicly, don't dwell it more internally. Uh, it's one of those things that you don't think about. When it comes to your mind, when it comes to the forefront of your mind, you think about something else. You, 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 let those, you, you think about what's best about them or you th just think about something that's more honoring and what's pure and what's good and what's of good repute instead of thinking about your past sin. Um, so that's the first one, don't hold it against them, don't dwell on it. Last one, don't bring it up. Uh, if you truly have forgiven someone, you wouldn't bring this up. And you understand that uh, that's 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, like, uh, it doesn't keep a list of wrongs. I know some of you married people, um, and I think even for myself, our, our flesh, especially when our spouse uh, does something that's the same thing over and over again, or our kids do the same thing over and over again, um, we tend to remember it. We wouldn't dwell like, oh, this is like the 900th time, or the... You've done this always, you know, like you always try to remember all things that they've done wrong. And that's actually not um, Christ-like behavior. Christ tells us, and I mean, First Corinthians tells us that we, we're not supposed to keep a list of wrongs. Again, this is how the Lord treats us. When the Lord forgives us of our sin, He doesn't hold our sin against us. He doesn't dwell on the sin of, of the things that we committed in the past, present, and the future. He doesn't bring it up. You know, in heaven, God is not going to say, like, oh yeah, remember that one time where you failed? No, that's, that's not what God does, because once He forgives us, we're wiped clean. Our, our, we're, we're free from any consequences of that because of what His Son has done. The magnitude, the greatness of His love should make us love those that are hard to love. So that's a, a, a little sidebar if you want to 
uh, if you have conflict with someone and you want to learn how to deal with it, the book I would recommend uh, is called The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Um, verse 17, uh, if then you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. It's Paul telling um, Philemon, look, take him the way that you would me. Treat him the way that you would treat me. In a sense, treat him the way that you would treat the Lord. Because, you know, if the Lord's dwelling in us and dwelling in believers, uh, that must mean that, uh, you know, we're bearing God's image, we're redeemed. Um, treat them the way that you want um, Christ to treat. Uh, treat them as if you're treating the, uh, the Savior, or, or in this case, just with Paul. It's the same idea that, like, um, if the person is truly saved and this person is family, treat them like family. And I think that's what Paul's trying to get at. Treat Onesimus, not as some sort of slate that wronged you, uh, but treat him the way that you would uh, Paul, or treat him the way that, um, you know, that you would uh, me, in that sense. Verse 18, But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Uh, this is this is loaded with doctrine, and I think uh, this is um, what we call the doctrine of propitiation, where uh, it's basically think about it, it's like an accounting term, where um, you don't have something, and then someone gives you something into your account. You have zero dollars in your account, and someone giving you not even just zero dollars, but you're in debt, and someone has to pay for that debt. That's the idea here. Uh, Paul is saying that charge to my account. This is really gospel language. Whatever uh, Onesimus has done, you just charge to my account. I will pay for it. Um, he goes above and beyond. He sense he wants him to just uh, he wants uh, finally Onesimus to move on from this to have unity, to have peace. Um, and you and I have the ability to take uh, to take the deepest type of pain and and be able to let it go because of what Christ has done on our behalf. Um, Paul is willing to be the peacemaker, peacemaker here, and that's what you and I need to be as well. And you know, this, this verse 18, some, sometimes being um, sinned against and, and, and needing forgive, it, sometimes it, does, it will cost you. You know, whether, if you, let's say you have a business partner that's a believer and then they, they mess things up, it's going to cost that, that physical dollar amount. Or if it's a relationship that, um, that you know, like a trust that's breached, um, yeah, it's going to cost you. So there's going to be some pain, um, but you, but you, being the one that's offended, are should be willing to let things go, and, and restore the relationship like it was before it happened because of what Christ has done for us. Again, this is what the manners of a forgiving Christian looks like. Um, it's someone that is willing to forgive because they understand how much God has forgiven them. It's someone that is. Um, to understand the relational aspect between other believers and because of that new relationship, that because of that uh, new heart that we all have, it should beat the gospel. And, and because of that, we should be willing to forgive um, everyone because of what Christ has done on our, on our behalf. So that's today, the manners of a forgiving Christian. Uh, tomorrow we'll end our study with the motiva motivation of a forgiving Christian. Take care and have a good day.